Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship. You can get all the details. And if you got something cool working with IPv6, hey, we want to hear about it. We want to know about it. So reach out, let us know. Uh, I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Caffeine and Scott Hogan. Today, we're going to be talking about dad issues. <laughs> <laughs> All of our dad issues. You now we're going to talk about duplicate address detection and uh, you know what the heck that's all about in IPv6 for those of you that may not know what what that is. So uh, let the dad jokes uh, <laughs> commence. <laughs> we, we could start off with that, but um, I don't know what I guess we should start with what exactly a duplicate address detection is if if it isn't obvious from the name <laughs> <laughs> and, and why we have it but uh i guess that's a great place to start so i don't know who wants to dive in and, and talk about the first part of, of duplicate address detection i know yeah, i'll i'll jump in um so uh, ipv4 <laughs> let's back up just a little bit when when two hosts on the same segment with IPv4 have the same address, it clobbers both hosts. And so, you know, the inventors of the neighbor discovery protocol and the IETF, when they were developing IPv6, thought, well, oh, let's come up with a more uh, polite way <laughs> to figure this out before we assume an address. And so, duplicate address detection is simply just checking to see if anyone on the local segment is using the same address you intend to. And to avoid any collisions. Okay, that makes sense. Is there <laughs> is there a difference in terms? I guess it's is is the term. It's more polite. First yeah, use, it's more polite. Gets, or it's to say it. Yeah, first use gets to use that address. The second device has to change to a different address. Can't use that one. It's it's in use. It's kind of like with IPv4. The way we do things today, we we ping an IPv4 address to see if it answers or not. And if it doesn't answer, then it's a free for all, and we get to assign that to our server. <laughs> Unless somebody goes in and grabs it first, <laughs> or, or that host was running a firewall that yeah, didn't doesn't reply pinged. to ICMPs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. So I mean, let's let's talk about it because we've got a, a bunch of different address types in IPv6, right? So. Link local, global unicast, ULA. Uh, do we do duplicate address detection checks for all of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is okay. your first address a host, an IPv6 capable host starts with is a, a link local address, an FE80 colon colon slash 10 address. It comes up with an interface identifier per whatever algorithm is in the host OS by default. And before it can use that link local address to send its first packet, which is a well, the second packet is a router solicitation. The first packet it sends is a duplicate address detection, a right. neighbor solicitation for the solicitant node multicast group address that it contains part of its IPv6 address that it intends to use just to make sure no one else is using it. So it even checks the link local address as its, its very first packet that the computer sends will be a, a dad packet. Right. It has dad issues immediately. So, um, <laughs> so, and let's unpack that a little bit because you covered a lot there, Scott. Um, um, in terms of the solicited no multicast address, we're sending an address that that is a, a multicast address on the on that local Ethernet segment that's basically yelling on the wire that's looking for anyone that's going to match match the last twenty four bits of our V six address is sort of embedded in a specific format on on a multicast. 
<clears throat> address itself on the yeah. link, right? So yeah. we're going to holler on the wire and basically say, does anyone match these last 24 bits? <laughs> and if you do, can you yell back at me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and it may or may not be the exact same address. There's a very small, 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 small chance that you could have a random address for the last 24 bits that's that is the same, but maybe a few bits before that are different, and therefore it is a truly different address. But the reality is that's that's how it plays out, right? So at this point, that that multicast is allows us to basically um, uh, sort of allow uh, for only interrupting systems on that local Ethernet segment that are really listening for that particular traffic. So it does it gets passed over by all the interfaces that don't really need to to hear that multicast traffic, which is one of the you know, sort of scaling advantages of V6 versus V4, right? We're not sending out a, a massive broadcast that says like, who's using this address and interrupting everyone uh, in the process in order to, to figure out if that's happening. Yeah, and this is the same mechanism that uh, other aspects of V6 neighbor discovery are using, right? I mean, this is like one of the key efficiency advantages where you're not relying on layer two broadcast in order to take care of some of these functions like address resolution, or duplicate address detection. So definitely an advantage. One of the things that that happens, you know, Scott mentioned the, the packets being sent out, but on on that local host, it, uh, the, one of the first things, and if I'm, correct me if I'm articulating this wrong, but you've got a multicast group that matches that solicited node multicast address that you subscribe to on your node mm -hmm. um, before you do anything else. And that's that's basically enabling uh, duplicate address detection to work. If somebody else were to send a packet that happened to match that address, that's what you'd be listening on. And then you would be like, oh, wait a second, I'm already using this. And then you would send the message out. Saying like, hey, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Don't use it. Can't touch it. Right. Um, yeah. And then, and, and, and just for um, the audience sake, I mean, it's very common for the lower 64 interface identifier to be the same across your link local, your global unicast, your ULA or multiple you know, multiple addresses, depending on what you're sort of set up and depending on what your operating system is doing. But it's not uncommon to see that uh, unless it's doing a, a privacy build, um, mm -hmm. in which case you'll see different randomized ones for each one of the related interfaces. Um, I've been doing IPv6 long enough that I can remember a time when the response to a, a detected duplicate address was that the interface would just give up and just be like, I'm just not, IPv6 is not for me. I'm, I'm just going to go back to IPv4. Land. <laughs> so, IPv6 is not for me. <laughs> my dad it. issues have just overwhelmed <laughs> me. And I'm going to go to my room now and, and, uh, and not come out until Christmas. Yeah, so, newer OSs don't necessarily do that because of the privacy portion. So if they got privacy, mm -hmm. they can just generate another address and try again, right? So you right. get uh, you get a stepdad automatically um, out of the process. So I get to play uh, the dad here and say, well, when I was young, the interface wouldn't recover from a duplicate address detection and it would just shut down. So you kids don't know how easy you have it. <laughs> No, so that's good. So it does recover now. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's definitely to the, to the better for operational purposes for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't fix that if you manually set an address on there, obviously. Right. So if you get a duplicate address detection, the interface will go down hard and basically you'll get a, a message in your log file saying, sorry, but there's another address that's in use. Uh, please go fix this or pick something else. But at least you get a message that says that. I don't, can't remember it's been so long since I've actually tested this in the lab, whether the remote host actually puts a log in its log file that said, we actually, I responded back to a duplicate address. Someone else is trying to use my address. 
because in some operating systems, right, it'll pop up a message for you mm -hmm. that like Windows does this. It says like someone else is trying to use your address on the network, but I don't recall seeing that for anything around Dad. I don't know, Scott, if you've seen that in your lab. Yeah, you can do on Linux, you can do a D message, pipe it to grep space duplicate, and you'll see it in D message. Okay. Um, and then also, if you did a IF config, you'd see it right there. You'd see, um, what's it? It's just dad, dad conflict. Ah, okay. Cool. So they do provide some messaging and some some sort of information that about what the actual core problem is, which is which is probably important. Um, so yeah, so it works slightly different than v4, but the purpose is the same. We're just trying to avoid getting duplicate addresses. Now, no one can fix no one can fix when you when your automation tool decides to assign the same address to every single device because it's not incrementing properly or you you ran your script incorrectly and assign the same address to every single host and in that entire land segment or something like you can't fix that stuff with duplicate address detection it's just going to down all the interfaces except for the first one that came up right yeah actually it says dad failed dad failed syntax when you do if config you see all these little that's little... every other day except for except for father's day is a dad <laughs> fail so <laughs> yeah poor dad <laughs> that's when you slip off the roof that's a dad fail um be, yeah you might think from hearing us talk that this happens so rarely, like, well, with IPv6 and the abundance of the address space and randomized interface identifiers, oh, when would there ever be a conflict? I do this all the time because I'm manually setting stuff up in the lab. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised how often this actually happens. Yeah. With yeah. automated software generation of you know, scriptable infrastructure as code, containers, cloning of virtual machines in a data mm -hmm. center. You'd be surprised yep. that this happens quite a bit. And it yep. uh, really surprises people. And it's hard to detect because you're like, why? Well, first, it wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the first thing you think of. You're like, oh, I shouldn't be out of addresses. There shouldn't be, <laughs> shouldn't be short of, of addresses for V6 at all, right? Yeah, because you're like, well, I you see that you have a link local address assigned to your interface. But if you paid attention, it would say dad failed over to the right or something like that that might give you a clue. But if you don't pay attention to some of those words that are next to your interface IPv6 address, then that you wonder, well, why did I not hear a router advertisement? Why did I not? Why is my interface not working with IPv6? Right. It's because when dad fails, it you you fails on your link local you can't send an rs <laughs> yep. you don't have a valid link local address so you can't receive an ra nothing else works with regards to ipv6 that essentially the ipv6 protocol is shut down on the interface yep yeah that's that's the standard behavior i've seen also so it's it's definitely it definitely looks like basically v6 is an operational like it looks yeah. like someone shut it off on the on a stack basis Kind which is even worse a defensive mechanism yeah imagine if you know you were in a csma cd network and instead of doing exponential back off you know you collided three times and you're just off the network right <laughs> you know? yeah and i think i think it's important for folks to understand that <clears throat> uh, especially for those that are operating dual stack networks that you could have this sort of collision especially if you're doing this on like a data center network you could have this sort of collision happen and then I think this is something we were talking right before the show about some of the new changes because I ISC made the announcement about DHCP DHCP server being 
I guess, end of life or whatever, and, and everything mm-hmm. needs to move to Kia. And you and you have made the comment about Kia. I haven't re- really used Kia all that much. Or you were making the, the comment about the fact that it assigns addresses sequentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could run into a duplicate address detection or a, a dad problem because the first address it's trying to hand out might be the address you assigned to your router or yeah. to another network device. Um, yeah, if you made your whole scope, all zeros to all Fs, you right. know, so colon, colon through all Fs, the entire you know, 64-bit interface identifier range, the first address it gives out is colon, colon. Right, it gives out that's all fine. zeros. Fine. Right. The second, because that's a valid address, a valid interface identifier, the second address it gives out is colon, colon, one. Oops, right. that's what the yep. router's probably using. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Um, so you'd you'd run into a, a dad conflict right there. Right, or 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 it may be that colon colon one is like the shared for, you know, whatever VRP or something like that, and you got two and three assigned out, and then it hands out two and it hands out three next. <laughs> oh yeah, that's You're true. In the same, pro- the same mm-hmm. problem, and then so your automatic failover for for default gateway availability just went offline. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that could be a problem also. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, maybe maybe we talk about, you know, we just talk through this sort of standard duplicate address detection because there's timers that are involved and, the, you know, the RFC specs sort of talk about mm-hmm. what needs to happen there. And it does the check for link local, and then it'll do the check again when it gets a global unicast. So mm-hmm. it does this for every single address it's going to it's going to have operational on the on that host device itself. But of course, you know, as as all as with all things, we have exceptions to the rule, and of course, Windows is is in this particular case is the exception to the rule in terms of behavior for this. And they decided to to implement something different than what everyone else has, has sort of done by default, uh, and they and they use something called optimistic dad. Um, so well, there sounds cheerful. <laughs> yeah, sure up, son. <laughs> You'll make it if you try hard. <laughs> you can. You can still get an address. Can, I believe in you. <laughs> you can do it. So I, I think we should change it from standard dad to cynical dad. And we have optimistic dad and cynical dad. I don't know. We can talk through optimistic dad really quickly in terms of how Windows performs because that is very very different. And the, and they just chose to leverage the math around to the sixty fourth. I think to say like, why are we? waiting around to to use an address, uh, especially when we have privacy privacy addresses that are built out of two to the 64th for an interface identifier, like that math just doesn't add up to sit around and wait to use an actual yeah. address. Yeah, you don't want to delay getting a right. host up and going quickly. Yep. So what they choose to do is just immediately use the address and they eventually get around to checking for duplicate address detection. It's not like they don't check, mm-hmm. but they just generate an address and just go, right? So it's off to the races and you'll see that behavior in Windows. They'll just, you know, set up a privacy address and just start sending packets out immediately uh, with it. So on the link local side, it's going to do, you know, a router solicitation immediately. Basically just boom, generate router solicitation goes out. And, you know, that's part of the optimistic dad Mm -hmm. side of it. It's like, woohoo, I'm optimistic that we won't have a collision and I'm optimistic that I can go ahead and start talking on the wire immediately Mm -hmm. and not worry about it. And I'll check myself later just to make sure. Uh, and then if there is a problem, I'll, I'll go ahead and shut the interface down and, and tell everyone, hey, sorry. <laughs> so I guess I guess that's the uh, ask for forgiveness, not permission. That's, I guess that's a reasonable assumption if the interface identifier that's first chosen is a random number. Privacy, privacy or temporary or something like that. It's a random number. That's <laughs> I would take that <laughs> optimistic 
that approach all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you hit a duplicate address detection problem with the optimistic dad for a random address and you hit it that day, go buy a lot of ticket. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. <laughs> with that same, with that last interface <laughs> identifier, <laughs> chosen number. <laughs> yeah. But then you're bugging the clerk at the uh, convenience smart and you're like, I don't have a through F on my lottery ticket. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I, uh, that's, that's, that seems to be the, um, the approach that the Windows site has taken. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some other manufacturers actually choose to do optimistic dad uh, later down the road. It just seems like mm-hmm. a reasonable approach, especially for, uh, especially for end hosts that are really like, you know, mobile phones, laptops, client devices that aren't really like servers, right? Anything that's sort of IOT related, things of that nature it seems to make sense that you could, you could do that. Uh, that way. And then for like IOT devices that are doing, um, that are still building their addresses with UI 64, there should never be a collision for them. Right. Uh, by definition, they should have a unique Mac address, uh, sort of globally. So in theory, they should be able to build an UI 64 that's unique automatically, which mean you would never run into a, a duplicate address problem, uh, which it would make sense then to do optimistic dad if you're making use of UI 64, unless you guys can think of something I'm wrong about that one. No, I guess the probability that you would have a conflict maybe goes up, you know, ever so slightly. That's my highly mathematical term. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem like that that would that would typically be an issue. If now if, that's if we're talking about actual hardware you know, MAC addresses as opposed to say virtual oh, yeah, not virtual. interfaces, yeah, and you know, yeah. a virtual environment. Or, yeah, but I'm talking about yeah. true IoT, like it's a little widget, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Something, something that was manufactured with a burned-in, uh, you know, some yeah, sort of burned-in. Because the greatest care and concern goes into those stacks and making sure uh, that if- <laughs> yes, that they have unique, uh, unique uh, manufacturer <laughs> identifiers. I have this great USB uh, uh, gig gig uh, Ethernet. Uh, interface that I can, we can use that, uh, has, uh, all zeros <laughs> and a one for, for its Mac address. I'm like, I didn't realize that I, I kept trying to remember who the heck was the original, uh, owner for that, for that. I uh, think you've discovered the first device to ever connect to that, network. Ex- exactly. It's mine. I have it. I own it. <laughs> and so it's a friend, it's gotta a friend be like Vince Cerf wants his network interface card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Bob Metcalf. Yeah, was like, hey, Bob Metcalf. Like, yo. <laughs> but um, but uh, it was funny because a friend had the exact same one. I'm like, we can't be on the same network. <laughs> we can't plug it on the same network because we have problems. Because he pulled his up and I'm like, check your Mac address. And he's like, oh, it's the same as yours. So I'm like, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So it's total, yeah. so total Japanese, like, or our cheap Chinese knockoff, you know, burned in address that they're like, oh, well, we forgot to write the code that just sequences it. So <laughs> just burn it in the same over yeah. and over. Yeah, yeah, I've, that's I've, I've actually run into the dad issue myself uh, when I've been cloning virtual machines, ah, you know, in my makes sense. training lab. I spin up a bunch of Ubuntu virtual machines and then I, I get one and then I just clone them. And when you move it, you know, you still, you do say, well, I moved it. And so it generates different Mac addresses, but on Ubuntu systems, it uses the Etsy slash machine dash ID in its algorithm to determine its first link local 
address Ooh, interface identifier. That's going to be the same. And that's going to be the same. And so what you find is all of these machines, they end up with, they try it three times. They try FE80. They each come up with the exact same first, second, and third FE80 because they all have the exact same machine ID. Right. And then they fail because they can't do, dad doesn't succeed on the link local. So they can't generate an RS. Don't, don't get an RA. Nothing works. Um, and so what you do is you just do system D dash machine dash ID dash setup regen the, the machine, machine ID reboot all of them and then they'll all come back up just fine. Right. Um, and that's the same in windows with the sysprep. You have to do the sysprep in order mm -hmm. to regen on that side for, for a bunch of different things for, for avoiding those sort of problems. Yeah. For the yeah. DUID. Yeah. yeah. For DHCP. Yeah. I could see this also happening if you're spinning up lots of containers and they each don't have a different machine ID or they all are using that same algorithm in some way. You know, um, or well, you're spinning up multiple instances in cloud infrastructure from the same image. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point because sometimes the containers get weird depending on how they integrated in for the network stack where actually mm -hmm. that network stack will end up with tens of IPv6 addresses actually associated with the, the interface itself mm -hmm. because every single container is building one. Mm -hmm. So depending on how they're sharing out and how it's set up, it could be different there. And in which case each one is asking for its own unique address. So usually that's not a problem for dad, but if you're, if it is doing a duplicate like snap of the container, then you're going to have a duplicate address detection mm -hmm. problem in the yeah. same way. Cause it's, cause the machine ID will, like you said, stay the same. Yeah, well, more fun with more fun with dad. Um, yeah. The other thing is you'll start to see systems out there that have dad disabled on their interfaces. Why would so you that's do kind that? of a scary proposition? Well, firewalls. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's typical that firewalls, you know, you statically define their addresses. They know what address they should have. They don't want anyone else telling them what addresses are or aren't used on the interface. They're going to assume that address always, and they don't want to be distracted by duplicate address detection. So firewalls tend to turn off DAD on interfaces, and you'll see other devices doing that as well. They'll so they really off. have DAD issues. They really do. They have no DAD. <laughs> they have no DAD. They don't know. They don't know who their dad is. They're not doing that. No wonder they have so many issues. Yes, it just, yeah, issues. Um, so, but that's a dangerous thing. If you're statically assigning, it's possible to statically assign two things with the same address. And then if your firewall is not doing dad, then you're hoping that the other device is doing dad. Right. You know, it, it takes two to prevent a collision, you know, but if it's not participating in dad, but it's answering, at least the dad requests for people who might be trying to use that address, then that might save you from having a collision. Does it not even respond when the duplicate address uh, query goes out? It doesn't want to get any denial of service if someone's like trying to use that as a tool to hammer on the network or something like that. Will it not yeah. even reply? That's a good question. I'll have to check into that. I know routers, if you try to have another device on that network, they'll reply, have the same address, they'll do duplicate address detection and say, hey, no, 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 you can't do that. Right. But you can turn that off on routed interfaces on different manufacturers' mm -hmm. interfaces. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting to play with. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of playing with it, if, you, uh, if you're interested in, in sort of seeing what this 
how this plays out on the wire. So you're looking for that that first, I believe it's a neighbor solicitation, right? That goes mm -hmm. out. That and what uh, what other information is in there to to indicate that that it's duplicate address detection query essentially. Usually, the clue that I look for in that very first dad query for the link local address is the source address will be all zeros. So all zeros. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be an ICMP. It'll be an ICMP one thirty five. Thirty five. With a sourcing of all zeros going mm -hmm. to a solicited no multicast FF mm -hmm. address. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Denise Fishburn Fish has some really great articles that she's written about um, understanding IPv6 and tracking down and understanding solicited node multicast group addresses. So we'll put that in the in the show notes. And she, and she maps she maps it all the way down to Ethernet. So the the thirty three thirty three multicast Ethernet frames, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, very good, very good set of articles. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's cool. I don't know. What, is there other issues or problems or debugging sort of recommendations? I mean, this is something that's that you will see regardless of whether this is a point-to-point -point link between two routers um, or, or whether this is a shared LAN segment or wireless. This, this process happens on all devices that participate in an IPv6 network and have an IPv6 stack on them. Mm -hmm. So uh, just to just to be clear, like it's it's something universal there, unless of course, as we mentioned earlier, they actually specifically turn it off for for those reasons. Um, I don't know. I I don't see any reason to turn it off unless you're super concerned about you know some other security measure, maybe or something like that. But I can't see a reason why you would want to turn it off automatically. It's, it's cheap insurance. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> That's right. And it's 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 what it's one packet in the beginning of the uh, of the of sort of the first instantiation of the interface to get an address. So the so the actual you know burden on the network is very is very small. Right, one uh, packet, or it's you know one packet later on with optimistic dad, not right away. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, just yeah. one just one packet. That's a lot of a lot of bang for the buck. And yeah. it's not waiting a long time. It's just a few milliseconds it would expect a response and then it moves on so yeah. it's not like it's really delaying your boot up process that long yeah yeah i mean the default the default on ubuntu with just not having ipv4 is like two minutes long of sitting around waiting for it to figure out that it doesn't have ipv4 even though it has ipv6 <laughs> <laughs> so, so i think you wait far longer there than you do for any sort of a duplicate address detection problem yeah um so depending on what you're up to, if you're running in a V6 only environment, right, you you might have uh, you might have some other other issues that are going on that cause delays versus uh, versus something like duplicate address detection. But I think it's super useful for for the audience to know how this works and you know how this might potentially impact you and and why you need to know what a solicited no multicast address actually is, <laughs> right? Why that's useful and and how it's used on the wire because uh this it does come up and especially when you're building labs and you're you may be copying things around or you know duplicating your routers or things like that and uh, it's, it's sort of useful to know hey oh i actually you know fat fingered and put the same address on and and uh, this is the process it uses to figure that out and dad will let you know and dad will let you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We we didn't do a good job of like lining up a uh, hundred different uh, dad jokes. Um, so <laughs> was, we tried. 
Yeah, we 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 didn't get the uh, the overwhelming uh, listing of of uh, of long dad jokes to do for this one. But hey, I mean, we're really trying to get to the technical content anyway. <laughs> Cool. Is there anything else you think we should cover in regards to duplicate address detection? I, I think we sort of hit all the major points um, in terms of, you know, Linux, OS 10, Windows, you know, Android, iOS, probably being the major platforms besides networking related devices. I think that sort of covers it across the board. I think so. Cool. Well, unlike V6, we run out of space for this podcast. So you can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter at IPv6 Buzz. And you can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. Um, Tom is at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogue. And I'm at E. Horley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. And um, if you like this podcast, we really recommend you check out Heavy Networking, uh, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break Podcast, and all the other great technical content over at PacketPushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.